Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Go to our website. Buy Colts, shirts. ColtsCryptidsConspiracies.com. Buy we're a have, shirt. We're having a pre-order for our shirt. Some of you don't make it to the end of the podcast. I know you don't. So this is the beginning <laughs> like of the podcast. We are having what? a pre-order. The same shirt that we did for our giveaway. Yes. And you can see on our social media, we were having a pre-order for that shirt. If you're interested in owning it, you can purchase one. Please buy one. They come in pink and not pink. Yep. The not pink is blue. Right. Yes. ColtsCryptidsConspiracies.com. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Mal. Hi, Christina. Chelsea's in the other room right now making food. Yes. She's, she's not late. here right now. She's in trouble. So we're going to do the intro. We're just going to start it. But yes, welcome. Hi, hello, Mal. How's it going? I'm good. I took a nail out of my tire today. Fun. Not, not me. I paid a man you to do it. You paid a man to take a nail out of your tire? Yeah, it took like five minutes. Nice, it nice. It was nice. They patched it up for you? Yeah. And then they filled it with air. Good. Because it was like two pounds of pressure. Nice. Very good. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to complain about the weather. If that's I wasn't what you expecting <laughs> you to. I was just always going to see how long this anecdote was going to go. Yeah, I got like new tires like two years ago. I don't know how long you're supposed to get new tires for. I have no idea either. I just I know, know that you're supposed to put a penny in there at some point. For what? Yeah, there's like a tread test. You put a penny in to the tire, into the gap in your tire. And if you can see Abraham Lincoln's face, then it's bad. But I mean, if you shove Abraham Lincoln's in forehead first, then his head would be hidden. But if you shove it in neck first, then his head would be visible. Clearly, you want to shove it in neck first, Mal. <laughs> I'm just making I sure. Listen, I don't understand it. I don't know when my tires are supposed to be replaced. Probably soon. You know, I drive a lot. You know, let's just go with something we know and, and, and love. The weather sucks. Um. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Colts, Cryptids, and Conspiracies, the podcast where one of the hosts is just out of the room. So uh, we just talk about tires. We're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we already we already listened. we just recorded parlor, so like we're kind of in a weird space. We're we're just like a tiny bit tired, but also just frustrated. You should definitely listen to the two this month's part of the paranormal. We'll be pushing it out now. Yeah, today, right? Yeah, no, yeah, today. Yeah, when this comes out. Dang, two episodes in one day. Hey, it's Christmas. You'll all like it. You'll all enjoy. I hope. I mean, so much content. So much content. We like giving you content. We like giving you what we have. Eat up that sweet content. So much of it, and it's like it makes us happy. So you know. Yeah. Here's looking at you, kid. Here's looking at you, kid. Welcome, everyone, to Colts, Cryptids, and Conspiracies, the podcast where we usually have a fake intro and then a real one. This isn't the real one. Welcome, everyone, to Colts, Cryptids, and Conspiracies, where we talk about just kind of just bizarre things in history and in the modern day. Conspiracies, weird religious movements, strange phenomenon, mysterious disappearances, curses. What was that movie we just watched? Speaking of creepy Devil's things. Devil's Pass. We watched a movie called Devil's over Pass. Over the weekend, we went over to our friend Bones and Cameron's house. Yo, what's up, dudes? Hey, Shaft. friends. Shaft. 
That's a weird niche joke. Oh, Cameron texts me. He's like, what are the odds of me getting on the podcast? And I said, do you have a topic to talk about? And he said, yes. And I said, pretty much 100%, my dude. Yeah, at that point, 100%. Yeah, we know Cameron, you and you have a topic. Come on down. Come on down, kid. It's the price is right. So we went and we watched Devil's Pass at their place, which went in a direction I was not expecting. Yeah, no, it was. I was scared through more than half you of the movie. You hid your face. I hid behind a pillow for the for a large portion of the, the like back half. I of the don't movie. do scary. The I second don't. half of the movie, Mal just had a pillow in front of his face. I was scared, and I was sitting on a chair. I was just like eating macaroni, being like, "Yep, yep." You time, just... There was time travel. <laughs> yeah, Spoilers: no. There's time travel. In there, that was, movie. there was time travel and teleporting Wendigos. Yeah. That's that's all you need to know. I can't believe I called it. I wasn't even you like did, though. I didn't even totally think I was going to be right, but I 100% called it. Yeah. No. It was so weird. Definitely a good good movie. Well, definitely a movie. It was a film. You should, if you want to watch It wasn't stuff, a bad film. Like, it wasn't a bad film. I don't no. regret seeing it. No, no. Like I'm glad it enriched my life, but like if you want to see a movie about weird stuff similar to why you listen to this podcast, mm-hmm. you probably will enjoy it. Sorry we spoiled it. <laughs> I feel bad. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Eh, it'll be fine. So here on Colts, Cryptids, and Conspiracies, we have uh, corrections and correspondence, as is our usual way. We got a number of emails and tweets and whatnot. We got uh, many a story. Let me see here. I would like to shout out this person. Uh, they didn't sign it, but they, it says it's from Cosmo. So I'm going to go with that. All right, cool, Cosmo. Cosmo sent us a fan fail, but I don't know if it was supposed to be fan mail or fan fail. Um, just reaching out and something uh, on episode 101, Christina said something about an an angel homebrew. I need to send you that. There's a, some D&D angel homebrew stuff. I it's need to pretty legit send to this shit. person. Also, here's some here's a buff bird. What I don't know f- why this was sent to us, but I appreciate it. Uh, that's fan mail. There's no fail involved at all. Thank you. <laughs> And then uh, Celeste, I believe this is Celeste's email, correct? Let me see. Friend of the show, Celeste. Yo, what's sent, up? Sent us a picture of uh, some kitties and a pup. Yes, that would be Ray. And a bird. Yes, And shout also out. Stitches. You yes. sent us a picture of their own cat. Yes. Like. Is it a young Stitches picture? No, it's like, I think this is a pretty recent picture. Oh, uh, that's a recent picture. I think this is from when Celeste was here last. I think so. Celeste She took a, a picture of Stitches of and then Stitches. sent it to us. Yep. All right. Thank you, Celeste. Celeste, I appreciate the flex. It's a weird flex. <laughs> but okay. But I appreciate it. We also got some people who, uh, some longtime listeners, Sabine, emails oh, yeah. again with a recommendation. Thank you, Sabine. That's it for emails to the Twitter. I got into a slight conversation with somebody. I forgot who On it was. Twitter? Yeah, it was, I think it was Space Bras. Space Bros is very, very often on the about yes, memes. About memes, Space Bros was like, "This is all. This is all I can give is memes, and I'm all for it." All I can give you Don't is stop. memes. Marge Simpson meme was yes. this the meme in question? Yes. Chelsea holding a. It's Marge Simpson holding a potato. Anything slightly weird or interesting to talk about on the podcast? Chelsea saying, "I just think they're neat." Yeah, that's pretty Which much is about her. right. Yeah, at Miss Cakes Made says that I think Mal was thinking of Operation Avalanche for the moon landing movie. The moon landing movie where you saying where there were people like I think baking I, the movie I mean, moon landing. I'll just do a quick Google search, but I bet you're right. Okay. Uh, at Urban Odysseus says Stanley Kubrick absolutely was contracted to film the moon landing, but he's such a perfectionist that he demanded it be filmed on location. I've heard that joke and it's very good. We also had, there's a lot of people who reached out to talk to us, but we also had at Flontrex talking about the most recent issue where we had um, Chelsea's story about the cesium radiation 
contamination in Brazil. Yes. Flontrex went on like quite a, a thread about this topic and also said that they appreciated when we tried to pronounce things in their native language. So we try. <laughs> I think we were having a conversation recently. It's like it, we're, we're trying. We do care. We're yeah. We don't we don't mean to insult anyone at all. I and think that's that, why we try. I think our listeners know that we're we're not attempting to yeah. to mock anyone's language, especially because we apologize usually before we butcher like, a word. Like right before we're like, we're so sorry. I am so sorry. And then I attempt to say a word and fail just because of my own upbringing and whatnot. Uh, yes, Operation Avalanche is the movie I'm thinking of. Thank you. So I can now go watch it. Excellent. So Flandrex has a thread to say, the because we asked, out of curiosity, do you have any update of on life near Ground Zero? From research, it sounds like a lot of people who were around at the time are still suffering residual effects. And then Flandrex says, the government paid very low hush money. Cesium takes around 300 years to totally dissipate. Oh. The population still suffers with lack of hospital help and are separated in three groups designated by the amount of radiation in their bodies. They were supposed to be receiving a lifetime salary in hospital care provided by the government, but some months it doesn't show and it's not enough to treat. The most common IDK, if it could be called side effect, is vascular accident and heart problems. I mean, radiation, I don't, maybe you can answer this question. Radiation hasn't been fully able to be studied because of how dangerous it is. Well, we know, we can do studies on radiation. We've done studies on radiation on, um, like, we do studies on radiation on the body of, like, people, but definitely there's, it's, a lot of hurdles you have to jump over so that, so that you're not specifically exposed That's what I was to thinking, radiation. Yeah. It's just one of those things where, like, strong radiation, we don't, we can't fix it, sort of a thing. You can't go backwards, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's like a thing, it's like, okay, well, you, it's like if somebody punches a hole in your wall. It's like, okay, well, I mean, I can patch up the wall, yeah, but, like, I can't unpunch it. Yeah. So if somebody comes in with, like, a bulldozer and knocks your house down, it's like, all right, well, I can't patch up the house but i can rebuild it i guess yeah it's like radiation just puts a whole bunch of tiny holes in your body and melts it from the inside and you can't really fix that you just gotta let it rebuild if you can if if you can if you can yeah yeah most of the time you just get organ failure Saflandrex continues unfortunately i don't really know of any there's around believe it or not let uh, 113,000 people affected by this accident in 2019 and this is a simply horrific sense. It's like the third major accident or something like that. So apparently this is not like the first time this has happened in Brazil. Well, that's definitely terrible. Our hearts go out to you. Yeah. But thank you for the information. Thank you very much for the information. And that's definitely something that we'll probably want to look into as far as like other incidents of this happening. Yes. Because, yeah, that's something that's like, it te- I think it technically counts as a conspiracy because the government's trying to keep it sort of hush hush. I mean, I could definitely feel that way, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cons- some people think conspiracy is like these deep things, like the moon landing as an yeah. example, but it could just be like, your government just doesn't want you to know this. Exactly. Like, where's the glitter? Where? What's? Who's buying the glitter? Who's buying the glitter? We I- still do not know. Yeah? Oh, Chelsea's at the door scratching. Do the, uh, the, what's it from that, that meme? Let me in! Let me, uh, Let me yes. in! What is that, Eric Andre? Yes, Eric yeah. Andre show, Let yeah. Are Chelsea. Are you on your topic? Uh, no. no, we're doing the Twitter. Oh. Chelsea is entered with curry. It's tikka masala, but it's a little bit more liquidy because I realized I don't have whipping cream. I have coconut. I have coconut milk. Well, that's not the fine. same. Not the dip. Same. Not the same. Dip. Just dip. There's two more non pieces. But yes, Chelsea's back. Commence applause. Woo! Are you gonna put applause in there? You bet I am. Okay. <laughs> Uh, 
At Claire Deloon 89 says the TNG episode that you were thinking of is episode uh, season seven, episode 16, Thine Own Self. When Data loses his memory in an accident on a pre-contact planet and accidentally exposes a town of alien alien renaissance people to radiation poisoning. Whoops. Yep. Dude, Data is legit. I love that robot. Data's a good Data's cyborg, a good boy. Android. He's an he's a he's a android. If he was a cyborg, he would be part organic. Android. The Borg are cyborgs. That's why they're called the Borg. Yes. Cyborgs. Borg. Borg. I'm on Claire de Lune's bits if you want to. Yeah, I yeah. got it. I'm, all, I'm pretty sure that the episode was framed around the historical accounts of rampant anti-Semitic rumors that Jewish people poisoned Christian wells to cause the Black Plague. Hey! I'm also pretty sure that those Game of Thrones guys shouldn't be trusted with Star Wars either, not when everyone's least favorite seasons were post-canon. They shouldn't be trusted with anything. No. They also shouldn't be trusted with their own show, Confederate, because no one wants that to happen. Oh, before I forget, Chelsea, how do you feel about the weather? Don't. Why did you? Why? Why? I was going to give Christina a gift this time <laughs> because I made her wait because I had to make dinner. And here you are, fucking up in, her day. Coming into my house. This is my house now. Look, I didn't even notice the weather because I had to read that fucking book for Parlor of the Paranormal. So I noticed nothing. My day was both an instant and a thousand years long. Chelsea, Mega Meg <laughs> 05 tells you that uh, Robert Sheehan's character in uh, The Misfits was named Nathan. You want to hear something fun? Sure. My mom texted me the other day and she's like, I'm obsessed with Umbrella Academy. And I was nice. like, nice. Wow. One thing I love is you guys, you guys know Rachel. You've met Rachel. Yeah. Many Rachel times. likes Luther from cool Umbrella, Academy, Umbrella Academy. I haven't watched Umbrella Academy. Okay. No one likes Luther. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Does Rachel listen? uh occasionally she's listened to a couple of them rachel she listened to she was the person who recommended that i do the ohio python oh, cool. uh, the peninsula python and so she listened to that one because she had to hear me tell the story that's fair so she occasionally listens yeah rachel yeah. you're a cool cat she cool i like her and then jesus nikolai's coming in here with the real goodness talking about death stranding trailer oh. that dropped today <laughs> yeah, no. it did. hell yeah, yeah it did. i still don't know if it's a game. guess what i watched that's the a whole conspiracy thing. <laughs> maybe it's not who knows i watched the whole thing and said this looks like a great game still no idea no idea what it's about no idea what it's the about. president's telling you that you gotta reconnect america somehow there's cables involved you're was... a delivery man there's terrorists there's, there's something babies. about multi-dimensionality and the baby can let you see the multi-dimensions <laughs> I, like I don't that. know what's happening. My favorite part was when the character, who is Norman Reedus, yes. he goes in his little radio menu. I'm like, yeah. oh, that looks cool. And then pulls out a ladder yes. and then puts down the ladder. And I was like, you go, man. He Listen, you can climb the environment. You can also repel. He pulls out a he pulls out a rod. Like a stake. And, and he stakes sticks it into it. the ground. So, and he repels off a limp. I'm yeah. so, listen, they gave him a motorcycle. And I was like, I'm playing this game. <laughs> so Alana, formerly of IGN, now of, uh, what what's it called? Um, <laughs> so much. He touched the bowl. It's hot. Sorry. Funhouse. Yeah. No. Alana's with Funhouse. Is she with Funhouse? Which I think. one? Yes. She's with one of the rooster teeth. Funhouse. Alana, Alana hits back. Is she in LA? Yeah. Then she's in Funhouse. Okay. So Alana, formerly of IGN, now a Funhouse, says of the Kojima Productions tweet, which is the countdown of hashtag Death Stranding has started May 29th. Create the rope. Her response was, even this promotional tweet is confusing. This brand consistency is remarkable. <laughs> and my response to that was, I don't even know what this date is for. Is it the release of the game? The release of a comprehensible trailer? The day Kojima reveals himself to be the divine ruler of the world? 
only God can know. <laughs> I think I was texting somebody. I was texting my friend Josh because me and Josh are both like real hype over. We literally just scream at each other about Death Stranding every now and then. Right. We send each other pictures. And he sent, he was like, trailer drop. And I was screaming incoherently at him. And he's like, I still don't know what this game's about, but I'm nope. going to play it. And I'm like, no I idea. still don't know if it's a game. For all we know, it could be an art film consistent of various three sec- three minute intervals. And he's yeah. like, you're not wrong. Yeah. It might be. Who knows? Yeah. Actually, hang on. I have another thing. About about Death Stranding? Yes. Yeah, I do. Listen, I am so hyped for this stupid game that we don't even know what it's about. I, I just have, love it. I still have in my heart, I kind of hope it's a dating sim somehow. <laughs> I know it's not gonna be. My suspicion is that there's a lot of plot in between of getting A to B, but the point is that like you you have packages from because that's just really he's like he's just a he's, badass UPS delivery he's man. A, listen, he's also a cable installer. He's doing it all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He just goes from town to town and be like, sign for this package. Here's your mail. So, Here's your mail. So my friend Amanda posted she was talking with her friend Chris about the Death Stranding trailer and he says and also because, yeah, it would have to be like memories of ghosts, but memories of ghosts thinking about Europe because the game's clearly U.S. based and we never had trenches and tanks in the U.S. soil, obviously. And even for Kojima, that sounds complicated enough that time travel might be simpler. And her response was, you really think so? You have that much faith in Kojima? And Chris says, no, honestly, that last part sounded wrong enough when I said it. I love it. Man, if anybody has no idea what we're talking about, go look up the uh, video game in progress. Death is it Stranding. a game? Is no, 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 it a no, no, game? No, no, no. We don't know. Here's the thing. If any of you don't know what we're talking about, you're right where we are. If anybody don't doesn't much. know what we're talking about, find my Tumblr and find the multi-paragraph explanation <laughs> of quantum physics that I used to explain one of the first trailers that came out. The thing is, I don't know if any of it's relevant anymore, but I can't say it's not relevant. None of us know what is or isn't relevant. It yep. still could be Kojima just revealing himself to be divine ruler of the world we it could be an know. arg it could be a really long con honestly it's just a front so that kojima can go on dates with mad mickelson Probably. am i wrong he just wants to go on dates with mad mickelson and Everyone so it's does. just it's just the front for that i just love the picture with norman radius with with kojima just yeah. like shaking hands i'm like norman knows yeah he knows no he he? no he's actually gone on record saying he doesn't understand the game oh my yeah. god yeah no all of them have gone it's like no they've explained it i don't really get it all of them have gone on Including record del toro I have no Dude, idea about Del Toro staying mum. Okay. He's I, staying mum. I just love how he's guesting. He's in it. The thing is, he was originally just supposed to be like a producer for it, like a concept artist and whatnot. And then it's like, do you want to be in it? And he was do you like, want to be yeah. in the game? Because originally they were going to make Silent Hills. Kojima, when he was still working yeah. for Konami, uh, was going to work with Gamble Del Toro to produce Silent Hills, which is part of the Silent Hill game, game fran- franchise and, now and norman dead. reedus was going to be the protagonist of the game and now it's dead and now it's that dead was, uh, if you are a gamer pt was supposed to be the playable trailer for yes. silent hills and then it just died yeah there was a lot going on with that but then he got kicked out of konami and then he just burst forward like a weird macabre butterfly and he was just like it's time to do all the weird stuff that i've always wanted to do but i've only ever slightly been held back from and, yeah because he really kind of <laughs> wasn't he really wasn't being held like, back i made this in son of kojima productions and guess what you don't know what it's about and that makes me excited i get to fly this weird danish man out to japan and take him out to fancy dinners anyway back to the podcast podcast yeah Hang on. sorry real quick though shout out to former co-workers of IGN, Eric and Brandon, who dressed up as Mad Mickelson's character and Guillermo del Toro's character, respectively. Aw, that's cute. <laughs> Here's Brandon. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. a pretty good one, actually. It's like really good. It's pretty good. Listen, Kojima released high-res videos of Sam Porter's outfit, and if I cosplayed still, I'd be all about that. 
Who the if fuck I, is Sam Porter? Norman Reese's character's name is Sam Porter. Okay. Get on my level, Chelsea. You know what's funny? Porter is another word. Yeah, he's a, no, he's a male person. Everyone, yeah. We're aware. Everyone has disseminating this, okay? I just think it's cute. It and is he cute. Beats, he, there was in the trailer, he beats someone up with a package. He punches a dude with a package. And I'm just yeah. like, hardcore UPS man. Yeah, he's fighting terrorists <laughs> with mail. This is a fucking UPS simulator. That's all it is. It's a post-apocalyptic UPS simulator. Yep. And there's multi-dimensional babies. It doesn't make any sense, and I'm no, so excited for gonna it. You're going to play the game and finish it, and you're still not going to know what the fuck the game is about. I'm going to come up with elaborate theories about what it's about. I'm not going to know for certain, but it's going to be like my white whale. No I'm going to spend the rest knows. of my life hunting down Kojima to get him to explain. No one's ever going to know what this game is about. That's the moral of the story. And then he's going to be like, it's whatever you want it to be about. And, and then he's like, going to disappear into dust. <laughs> into, yeah. He's just going to fade away like Luke Skywalker. He's just going to be gone. Okay, we have to get on with the podcast. This podcast. is not a Death Stranding podcast. God, but you is could anyone, have one though. Do you want to start one? <laughs> Maybe. Where it's just, just every like week, before, just like every week before the game comes out, we're just like putting out. What do you think this is about? Like, what the fuck is this game? Proposing different genres for the possible Let's just game. Let's do that on this podcast for like five minutes every week until the game comes out. Until like, November. What the fuck is this game? Why not? All right. What down. the fuck is this game? Hell yeah. Okay, I'm down. No, like, give me, give me like oh, a right one now. Minute. What the fuck is this game? Okay, so this game is a... Uh, Maz Mikkelsen is a sad single father whose baby has been kidnapped by the government. And Norman Reedus's job as the only le- postman left alive after the apocalypse is to get it back to his dad through time. Okay. That's what the game is. But also right. he has roots to finish. <laughs> Where does Guillermo del Toro come in? Guillermo del Toro is the government who stole the baby. Oh, okay. All right. He's all the whole government. That's uh, the one government. He is... stole the baby for his own aesthetic purposes because yeah. he's trying to recreate Pan's labyrinth in the real world. That's fair. Uh, so that is this week's theory on what Death Stranding is about. We will continue to do this every week until the game comes out and possibly even afterwards because even after playing the game, we will not know what the fuck am this I, game is about. Am I just putting this into the bits at the end or no? No, <laughs> no. going into the fucking episode okay? okay all right we should start the podcast right now we got a lot of energy because we shouted for like an hour there was yeah. a lot of screaming that happened in this apartment your neighbors hate us anyway that's okay they've been playing trumpet a lot so it's, i really this don't is their I, this I is think their it is our next door neighbor I no think. it is our next door neighbor this is yeah, their but i want confirmation i want okay. to go up and be like hi is it you who is, trumpets <laughs> do you too are, are you, you the, the one, one who trumpets <laughs> are you the one who toots oh my god yes Anyway. All right. So I have a thing for you guys today. Cool. I'm super stoked to find out what it is. Yeah. Mal knows, but he doesn't understand what it means. America. Okay. America. Okay. We excel at a few things. Nah. Education, infrastructure, mm-hmm. and overall mm-hmm. happiness of citizens are not these no. things. Oh, no, okay. no, no, no. I was, I was about to say. We do not excel hold at up. any of those things. <laughs> we are not. Hold up. No, we are not we're good at really those things. We're really bad at those things. We're yes. real good at killing people. We do excel at warfare, which is what I have written down. I mean, also, like, internally. And we also have a long history of sending out troops to other countries that we view are in strategic locations for our own tactical benefit. Oil. Or oil. That, too. Natural I resources. Por que no los dos? Except neither, please. When we do this, there are often effects on the native culture and things left behind. Baggage, both literal and metaphorical, literal. if you will. Literal baggage. Oh, okay. Uh, these things are sometimes the foundation of cargo cults. Oh, Have you no. heard of this term? No. Okay. I'm afraid. So I would like to, before I continue with this read, I'd like to say that because of time constraints over the weekend, I typed my script as I was learning about this subject. So earlier on, I may have to... In- interrupt myself as i clarify certain things that i learned more about later 
So I got present an idea and I may have to go back and give some nuance to the idea that I learned later along as I because there's a lot of like socio-political economic whatnots going into this. Yeah. uh, It sounds like there will be. Yeah. 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 So cargo cults are collections of believers that share a spiritual belief that they can summon wealth that their culture cannot produce, often involving ritual practices based on Western military. Yeah, this sounds super great. I'm right. St- I don't I'm lost. Yeah. So the the premise originally the concept of a cargo cult was that well, I'll just keep reading and we'll get into it. I was gonna clarify, but I kind of do in the thing, in the script. So these cults form in the wake of military presence, specifically in the Pacific Islands, like Papua New Guinea and the Republic of Vanu Vanuatu, which is where I will be focusing today. Okay. The Republic of Vanuatu. Okay. I call out the U.S. for this, but other Western countries are guilty of it as well. Uh, when Western soldiers arrive on an island and set up a military base, as we did in both World War I and World War II, they bring a lot of Western supplies and conveniences that the people who live on those islands don't have access to. Wikipedia described these cultures as, quote, underdeveloped. But that term kind of like, eh, for me. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's it kind of cringy. Well, it feels like it's prescribing a correct amount of development for a society. Yeah. Which is like, no, not really. You, there's no like correct amount of development you have to reach. Yeah. Like it's whatever. It's fair to say that these are less industrialized cultures. Yeah. They don't have the manufacturing facilities to make things like radios and Twinkies. I would actually argue that some of the uh, definitions of a developed country would not even apply to the u.s the u.s actually has like i think recently an article came out defining we have a third world infrastructure yeah if you're going by the first world second world whole thing we have a third world infrastructure yeah uh in the u.s it's not great no i personally prefer to use like industrialized less industrialized there's also an uh an economic scale which is like high income low income countries Uh uh based on like the global median so based on the global median of income there are countries that make more or make less so that's in a way sort of trying to make it more objective. But even so, not like every the class disparity in the U.S. is also a huge fucking problem. That's so. true. But even so, not every company, uh, not every country quantifies wealth in the same way. Yeah. Like a lot of places, GDP is not in money per se or like resources, natural resources that they export sort of a thing. So I feel like that shouldn't count if we're trillions of dollars in debt. I mean, listen, economics is confusing and I don't pretend to understand it at all. Nope. I went to school to make robots. Robots don't need money. I went to school to make films. Films sometimes need money. I mean, they often need money unless you have like a trust fund. That's true. Do you have a trust fund? No, I wish I did. Yeah, me too. Anyway, soldiers come to these places and they trade their goods with the locals for things like fresh food and services. The traditional narrative of cargo cults, what was widely originally believed by anthropologists when these things were popular... Mm -hmm. Uh, well, at least when it was in the vogue to study them, I mean to say. Oh, yes. The traditional narrative is that when soldiers leave, they leave a void of trade behind them. The cargo cult then springs up as an effort to summon the Western goods back to the people who no longer have ask- access to them. Mm-hmm. This is not exactly true to life and mostly is just an outsider interpretation of what's going on devoid of historical context. Today... I am going to focus in on a specific cargo cult to get you like a more nuanced look at this. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the John Frum spiritual movement. I know that name. John Frum. Frum spelled F-R-U-M. Oh, I don't know that name. Okay. So John Frum is a religious belief that originated on the archipelago now known as Vanuatu. It didn't used to be known like as that, but 
now okay. is known as the Republic of Vanuatu. Vanuatu has a history of colonization by the British and French who they were fighting over who would get to like rule this little island area. Sure. And then they decided like, let's just freaking both do it, I guess. I guess. Yeah. So they heavily enforce their own cultural norms on the people as colonizers are wont to do. Right. So like Christianity and shit. You don't even get me started on what the Christian and missionaries oh, got up to. Literally, that was the next sentence I'd written down. In the early 1900s, the John Frum movement really kicked off, though the exact date is kind of up for debate. Yeah. And that's a reoccurring theme with the John Frum movement is that no one, well, a lot of people have stories about how it started. Okay. And many of them do not mesh. There's no one who's keeping like 100% track. This is exactly how it started. Okay. Okay. So claims start as early as the 1910s with the name John from being a warping of the phrase John from Jesus Christ, oh, a.k.a. Okay. John the Baptist. Yeah. Okay. Other versions of the tale say that it started in the late 1930s after a man came to the island of Tana, one of the Vanuatu Islands, mm-hmm. dressed in Western garb and claiming his name was John from. This could be a reference to John from America, which is the right. most popular interpretation, or John from the UK, or John from wherever, because there are a lot There's of Johns. There's also, I feel like there was some story that we did at some point in this podcast. This is what, episode 106? There was like a John from, but F-R-O-M-M. Yes. F-R-O-M-M. I remember this. From? Possibly. It could have been from, or from, or... Who knows? Fromage. Fromage? That's not what's happening here. There's oh. no cheese involved, I think. I want cheese. I you're in your own home. I don't you have cheese? Let's stop the podcast. <sighs> yeah, but I don't have paneer, which is the only cheese that really goes with this meal. Oh, it's up to you, my friend. That's uh, solely our fault. That is solely our fault. We should have like all kinds of cheese in our house at all times. We we normally do, and then we make a cheese. No, we've plate. never had paneer in this house. Okay, I didn't say paneer. I'm just saying we usually have Can a lot I of cheese. Keep going. No, we're going to no. talk about cheese now. This <laughs> is a cheese podcast. Please go. I beg you. I have more pages. <laughs> So stories about just how this man arrived, some, they vary. Uh, Some reference him just emerging from the sea. Sure. While others say that he flew in on a plane that landed in the bush. Despite this, this specific John claiming he was foreign, the locals were positive he was a spirit. He was some sort of like a beyond earthly human being because he could come and go seemingly by magic and he could speak their language perfectly, which all the other Europeaners they knew could not do. Okay. So it's like, I mean, you're saying you're foreign, but you speak our language perfectly. Yeah. So, like, my guy, are you really a spirit of our ancestors? Mm. John. John. So this John from promised the people he would bring them wealth and homes. Because before they were living in sort of like, they, they were looking sort of for like the, the sort of structures that um, the missionaries had built. Oh, More okay. solid roof structures. All right. In one story told by a representative for Ta'ana, or Tana. I can't, I'm not entirely certain how this island is pronounced. I'm very sorry. I'm really glad mine has no pronunciation issues in it this this week. I I'm s- super doing my best, but I'm very sorry. Yeah. So this man, Jean Whale, or Wa, uncertain, John came and told the people to ignore the missionaries and to re-embrace their local customs. He asked the island's chiefs to meet with him and ask them what they wished for. Quote, one asked for money, one for a truck, one for an icebox, another to be good at business, another for wisdom, and so on and so on. A truck? He wanted a truck. All right. He wanted to get around. So sure. as all his friends could ask him to help him move. Yeah, it's like, you'll need one, one truck. Listen. Yeah. You only need one friend with a truck. Do we have a friend with a truck? Do we have a friend with a truck? No. 
I don't think so. I think TJ still has the van. I I mean that works. Yeah. C- Celeste is the closest. That's not a truck. That's no, her dad owns a truck. Oh, okay. Another uh, story was told by a man named Isaac Wan, who used to be the leader of Tana. Okay. Isaac's father was apparently visited in a dream by a tiger that introduced itself as John Froome. Okay. Which was meant to, the he said the name meant a broom to broom out the dirty, like to sweep away corruption. Sure. This was apparently uh, an instruction, once again, to reject the influence of the European missionaries. So in both of these stories, John Frum presents himself as either a tiger, a Western military person, comes to the island and says, hey, the missionaries suck. Do your own thing. I mean, he's right. He's not wrong. The name John Frum was first written down by a British district agent named James Nichol. There were some Seventh-day Adventists on the island who herded goats. And the goats were going missing. Why did you woo? Because I've done the Seventh-day Adventist before. We talk about the Seventh-day Adventist a lot because they keep, like, spawning cults. The Seventh-day Adventists spawn a lot of cults, no, Mal. No, they I mean, also spawned from a cult. No, I'm aware you guys talk about them a lot. I just didn't know where the woo was for. They, they, they were born from cults, and they continue to make cults, and we, we have a special place in our heart for them on this podcast. Of happiness? No. no. Oh, I was about to say, like, no. I've been here the whole time. Where's, the, where's this happiness coming from? No happiness. I'm just wooing. Oh, Seventh-day okay. Adventist missionaries had come to Ta'ana, and they had, or, yeah, Ta'ana, and they had converted some of the local people there who were herding goats for, like, you know, cheese purposes, probably. Goat and so some of the goats were going missing. So this dude, James Nichols, was like, what's up with that? He discovered that the what's goats were being taken and cooked as part of a ritual feast by some of the other locals. I've never had goat. I don't really want to. I mean, if it's around, you know, people guess, eat goat. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm trying to cut people out. People eat lamb. I know. I've had lamb. But I'm like, isn't goat red meat? Because I'm trying to cut out red meat. I have no idea. I don't know That's what fair. it's called. It probably is. I don't know I think what it's the difference f- is. Uh, slow and fast twitch muscle is the difference, but I can't remember okay. which one's which. It's Listen, uh, white meat is stuff like fish and, and birds, Chicken. so it's yeah. probably a red meat. Yeah. During these gatherings uh, that the people were having, people would tell stories about a figure who encouraged them to resist colonization and to give uh, and be given wealth in return. So okay. it's like John Frum will come and give us our own wealth and we will resist the 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 missionaries and whatnot okay john from is also linked to the god carapara mun who came down from mount to cosmera there's a lot of words I'm happening trying right now. so hard yep cara yeah Caraparamun is the god he is linked to mount to cosmera which used to be a volcano it used to be an active volcano was no longer and apparently like a bunch of gods come down from this mountain so it's always volcanoes it's, you know that makes sense weird stuff happens in volcanoes yeah. they spout lava mount olympus thing. a volcano mount olympus wasn't real but wasn't okay not what i meant <laughs> wasn't there a mountain that they attribute that actually exists um, that they attributed yes, yes there was but i don't remember which one it was okay yes that's what i meant i know <laughs> i'm giving you making- a hard time yeah, i hate you i'm sorry are you? So, yes. You know I love you. <laughs> oh, I love you too. Uh, so this is this was significant. This mountain was significant to the John Frum practitioners. Mm-hmm. It's tied into their spiritualism. Uh, in spirit visions, Caraparamun is said to have promised a new age to the native Melanesians, where all of the Europeans, like people from the that spare area of the Pacific Islands, yeah, uh, where all the Europeans would leave and leave their goods and culture behind. In the end, the belief system incorporated all of these things, both the promise of wealth to come and relief from the occupation of Western influence. Okay. So it's basically just John Frum's coming in. 
best of all worlds. Promising the best of both worlds to his practitioners. Yeah. Okay. In the early 1940s, the followers of the movement were persecuted by the colonial authorities as they attempted to rid themselves of Western society. There, there was this huge movement in 1941 specifically. I'm going to call them the Frumians because it makes me happy. Okay. I don't know what their actual name is because that never came up. It just kept referring to the John Frum spiritual movement followers. And I'm like, that's, that's long. long. I'm going to say Frumians. That works. Unless they come and tell me to stop, in which yeah. case I will. But the Frumians tried to get rid of all of their money by spending it all they're just like we're gonna get rid of it well i mean it's better than like all the people who are like give us money so you'll be closer to god but it's like you know all the bullshit yeah. churches no it's, it's, it's like a, no spend it yeah rejecting rejecting the money by just getting rid of it spending it uh and then they tried to leave behind the missionary churches and schools in favor of more traditional practices yeah I felt that mostly people were pissed off because the Frumians had also left behind their jobs on the plantations. Oh, well, yeah. So they weren't happy about that. No. European authorities on the islands tried to crack down on the religion, which did not work. This is mostly because the United States decided to enter World War II and hundreds and thousands of GIs landed on Vanuatu and set up a military base. Sure. Yep. All of these soldiers started coming in. Which really fed into the John Frum thing. Yeah. Because these men often had airdrops of more cargo dropped them on the island, which seemed literally like gifts from above to the Frumians. Yeah. It's basically like this is where the idea of cargo for the cargo cult comes from. You know, I realize I have a lot of knowledge in my head of these kind of things happening throughout history, especially during World War One and Two. But in my head right now, I'm just thinking about the Hunger Games. I mean, like with the little umbrella yeah. drops. Yeah. It's sort of a similar thing. No, I know. Yeah. The islanders were not allowed to partake in these gifts, except when traded to them in exchange for help building hospitals, airships, roads, bridges, and other structures. However, it was notable to them that black GIs could have some of the cargo because they're soldiers. Mm-hmm. So like they're U.S. soldiers, they get to have some of it. The black soldiers were much more relatable to the islanders than the very foreign white soldiers. Yeah. And the idea formed that John Frum was a black soldier. Sweet. Uh, the other soldiers were members of John Frum's army who got to enjoy the benefits of the cargo. So there's like this sort of belief that all the, the African-American GIs coming in from America, all of them were part of John Frum's army. And they like got the, they were living the good life all right they had been blessed by their ancestors and were living the good cargo life yeah i'm sure they were living a great life oh yeah no they were having super fun fighting in world war ii yeah totes so there is another two aspect this is world war ii okay we're in 1941 oh okay which is right when the u.s entered the war yeah yeah because pearl harbor happened because pearl harbor happened there's a n- the whole other thing we have to talk about at some point there's the pearl harbor conspiracy yeah that whole thing So there's another aspect to the American influence on the John Frum belief that has more to do with the Melanesian political systems. Okay. In many cultures, the status a person had in society was linked to the amount of wealth they could distribute. Uh, By exchanging gifts with people, you you would be putting those people into your debt, essentially. The more that you could, like, pass wealth around, the more people you could put in your debt, the highest, higher your status in society. Okay. So it's less about hoarding wealth and more about a concept called value dominance. Okay. I liked the term for it. I don't know if that's the official term for it, but that's somebody that wrote it that way, and I read it. Yeah. It's the idea that you were the only person with things of value to give, and those who couldn't reciprocate were below you socially. That's, like, kind of literally how we function as a society right now. 
Sort of. I mean, capitalism is mostly about acquiring wealth. Well, that's what I mean. And it's so like- your, your value in society is about how much wealth you have. And this is sort of the reverse. Your value in society is about how much wealth you can give to people. Okay. So I, I read it wrong then what yeah. you're saying. Because I'm thinking about... Uh, the like your the evaluation of all the things that you own not necessarily the money in your bank account right no the evaluation because okay. literally it's not about what you have it's about what you're giving away okay because okay. your status is relative to other people's dependence upon you in a sense so if you're providing people with gifts and they are not wealthy enough or they don't have like the means to reciprocate that gift they are below you in society. Well, fuck, I wish the rich people in this country would give more. Yeah, it's essentially if you want to become high status, it's all about make like giving things to other people. That's yeah. the whole point. It boils down to something that's still not great. But yeah, like, it's yeah. still about like the person who is highest in society clearly has the most resources because they can afford to give the resources away. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sensing anything bad yet. Like, it no, seems misguided. This one's, listen, John Frum, uh, there's, I'm going to go ahead and say this isn't a Bummersville one. Cool. There's no murders. I mean, there's a lot of, like, missionaries coming in and, like, imprisoning people. There's but a that's dude. that's, like, status quo That's for status us. quo for, like, freaking colonizers. There's colonizers. Yeah. Which sucks. But John Frum, as a response to, like, the things that the people of Vanuatu have been through, is actually semi-uplifting as I go into. Oh, that's cool. It's like, cool. this is actually, like, not terrible. Cool. For my nice. understanding of it anyway. Yeah. yeah it's it, one thing that kind of helped me think about it, Chelsea, mm-hmm. as a nerd. Okay. Is you know how in Hobbit culture you give other people gifts on your birthday. Yep. So okay. Bilbo Baggins is really a big shot in Hobbiton because on his birthday he, he gives, gives everybody yeah. really fancy gifts. Yeah. It's the same idea. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I can I can you're understand a, that. If you can give everybody really fancy gifts, if you can afford to do that, you're a big shot in society. It doesn't okay. matter what you have, it matters what you're giving away. Yeah. Okay. So that helps to think about it. It does. As a nerd. Yep. <laughs> yes. As a nerd. So that's that's kind of Thank how you for I... That. You're welcome. That's how I was like... That's, that's how we should try conceptualize, and, uh, it. conceptualize most things that we talk about. I don't mind people having a stupid amount of money as long as they're putting it back into the economy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I don't care if you make $8 billion like, dollars a year literally. if you're spending like $7.5 billion Well, the them. other problem is that they make $8 billion. And we talked about this with the whole uh, plot to overthrow the White House where like... They, it's like I would spend half my money to secure the value of the other half. It's like just pay your fucking taxes, right? Exactly. Just pay taxes. It's it's a whole thing about wealth hoarding, and that's the problem. Yeah. So there's a difference between wealth and value. So in this instance, value dominance is this concept of or at least the term that I'm using. There's yeah. also another term which refers to sort of like it's quote unquote the big man society uh-huh. or a, a big man socialism. Uh, or just, I can't even take words. Happen. That's okay. Value dominance in this instance is you have things of value and you're giving them away. Yeah. You are dominant over the things of value because you are the one who can afford to give them away. Yeah. Wealth hoarding is I am important because I just got a lot of money and it's all mine. You don't get it. It's my money. Yeah. Okay. Which is not what we want in this instance. But it's what we have. It's what we have. Not to say that the Frumians thought that the Westerners were above them socially because the Westerners had all the cargo. In this instance, they had things that the the islanders could not have. But again, they were not giving them away like gifts. They weren't partic- participating in the in the circle of the value dominance thing. They were kind of hoarding what was considered the valuable objects in this instance. So they viewed the Frumians viewed the cargo as a spiritual gift. It was a gift from their god and their ancestors. They assumed that the all the westerners coming over 
their ancestors were the one gracing them with the cargo. Right. Okay. It was by the grace of their ancestors that they had the fortune to get this cargo. Mm-hmm. So it's like, clearly, that's that's going on for you. The things that the Islanders could not make for themselves were meant to be given to the locals is what they viewed. They're like, this should technically be everyone's. You guys are taking it. And so the fact that like the Westerners rituals, their military rituals were seen as a way to somehow secure the cargo. Uh The things that the, the soldiers were doing were rituals that would make sure that they got the wealth even though they technically should not have it, was how the Islanders viewed it. Okay. So I wouldn't say that this is 100% the reasoning behind the John Frum spiritual movement, but it was definitely like part of that is a a contributor to it. This Mm -hmm. is part of what built the spiritual movement. Right. Okay. The basis of the religion is about trying to reclaim the value of local customs and traditions and pushing out foreign influences, which is a bit counterintuitive in a sense when you consider The February 15th celebration. Okay. What is this you're asking? Yeah, I am asking that. Exactly. The February 15th celebration is a yearly known as John Frum Day in Vanuatu, which is a festival marked with a military-esque parade followed by traditional dancing and stories. Again, I would like to say that, uh, or not again, but I'd like to point out that this Vanuatu, as far as I know, does not have an organized military. And Tana, Taana, or Tanana, T-A-N-N-A. Okay. Tanna. Maybe. Maybe. This island. I'm so sorry. Is They're not militaristic as far as I am aware. But they do. It starts off the celebration. Kicks off with many people marching in lockstep. Each holding a mock rifle made out of bamboo and painted red at the tip. Men are, sur- are from surrounding areas volunteer to take part playing the roles of soldiers and doing drills while adorned as U.S. soldiers. Okay. And specifically, it's U.S. soldiers. In previous years, they would paint the words USA on their bare chests for this performance. But in recent years, they've actually gotten World War II style uniforms to wear. Ooh, they leveled up on cosplay. They leveled up on cosplay. I The, inter- the uh, article I read specifically said they asked, like, where do you get the uniforms? And the guy's like, there's a man in the U.S. named Kevin. He sends them to us. <laughs> So shout out to Kevin. Shout out to Kevin. Somewhere who's providing the cosplay for this event. Yeah, why not? Yeah. All of this is done with the American flag being raised and then the national anthem would play. So weirdly enough, despite how it sounds, this is not meant to be a worshipful celebration of the United States in any way. It's not meant to be that. The performance of the military drill is a ritual, but not one that's supposed to summon cargo from the sky. That was an idea that people had in, like, the late 1900s. They're like, these savage, primitive people think that they can summon the cargo from the sky if they just pretend to be soldiers. That's not what's going on. Okay. Um, These things are a celebration in honor of John from himself and and his legacy and are meant to invite him back to the island. Because, again, John from, in in their conception of him, is a black soldier. Yeah. So they're sort of honoring the traditions of John from. Okay. As a, as a person. So before, when I told you all the story about how uh, John Frum invited all the chiefs together and asked them what they wanted, mm-hmm. uh, the people didn't just like sit around after that waiting for their like wishes to come true. They didn't make fake radios and airships in the hopes that their wishes would fall out of the sky. This wasn't the secret. This wasn't the secret. No, they did make fake radios and airstrips, but they did so as symbols and monuments to honor John Frum. Okay. 
who inspired them to take the initiative to reclaim their lands and culture. They weren't just waiting. In their mind, their wishes had already been fulfilled. Oh, okay. Quote, It has taken some generations, but all the wishes had been fulfilled. The chief who asked for money was from the west, where the town of Lenakel eventually sprung up. The one who asked for wisdom... Quote, now all his grandchildren have master's degrees, says okay. Greg Tom, the manager of the bungalow, who happened to be the and what happened to the chief, this guy's ancestor, Greg Tom, who asked to be good at business. Now all my family, we are all business minded. The promise that John made to him is already kept. So basically, John from asked what their wishes were. And then over time, the people themselves made it happen. Yeah. Where's, the, where's the truck? Where is the truck? That's a good question. Where's the truck in the ice Where's the truck in the icebox? I'm sure they got those two. Yeah. Jean Waugh said, The cargo is the school, the church, the education. Now we have an iron roof house. Now some of our kids are doctors or lawyers. That's cool. So it's basically just about like empowering the people themselves to not just like bend the will of the missionaries, but to seek out their own betterment. This sounds wholesome. Right? Yeah. Like when I first read about it, I'm like, this sounds really weird and kind of fetishy, like American fetishy, yeah. but it's super not. It's wholesome. Um, so before he left Tana, John Frum allegedly gifted his followers some rocks as proof of his existence and words. Okay. They're like big old boulders. He pointed them as like, this is proof of my words. These stones stood as reminders of his promises and values. The values seem to have lingered with the archipelago of Vanuatu. Uh, Tana is known for having maintained its connection to its cultural traditions in a much larger degree than any other island in the archipelago. That's cool. This place has held on to their culture really strong. Public schools throughout Vanuatu are emphasizing Tani's customs, including the history of John Frum. It's part of their history. In the 1970s, Vanuatu was going to become an independent United Nation and the Fremians actually opposed this. When I read it, it seemed at first framed like this was against the independence itself. But in reality, they were protesting a form of centralized government that was being proposed. Like the uh, specific okay. form of government being proposed, which would be akin to a more Western and Christian establishment. Oh, okay. That they makes sense. They didn't want a country to form that was going to be something that was not in line with their cultural traditions. Yeah. So Vanuatu did become an independent nation. But John, the John from Spiritual Movement has its own political party to campaign local customs. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, in in this instance, it's a little like you don't necessarily want a religion and a political party yeah. to be in link. But their main thing is like, no, this dude, John from is telling us to empower ourselves and keep hold of our customs. Yeah. Which is like, it's good yeah, for their so culture. Yeah, kind of like, I guess there's nothing bad about that there's nothing saying that they can't like enter the modern world yeah there's nothing saying that they can't like become more like that like change over time as far as their social norms and morals it's just about remembering who they are in their traditions and making sure that outside influences don't come in and completely obliterate everything mufasa would be proud mufasa would be proud yeah. remember, remember who, who you are. are yes so this is not to say that there is perfect unity amongst the Frumians. no yeah in the early 2000s, a man named Fred, known as Prophet Fred. Okay. That's what he's known as. Prophet, Prophet Fred, Fred. Was thought to be able to do miracles. Okay. He predicted that a flood would end, uh, would come, which did end up happening. Oh. And he also talked about the end of the world, which has not happened yet. Now, we've talked about the end of the world a lot, but yeah. it has yet to happen. So Prophet Fred was right about the flood, wrong about the apocalypse so far. So far. I mean, it's going to happen eventually. One day. We talked about it already. Yeah. Fred was a part of the Presbyterian Church, and he tried to unite the two belief systems. 
the spirit of worship became known as Jesus John. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus slash John. JJ. Or JJ. It's, yeah, Jesus dash John. JJ. JJ, if you will. It's very much a mix of Christianity that was brought to the island and the John from belief that formed as a reaction to it. Yeah. And a large number of people broke off from the original John Frun belief to join Prophet Fred. While the former chief Isaac Wan took his followers and formed another village a little bit farther away. So there's two separate villages, one of whom is the Jesus John people and the other one are the just plain John Frum people. Okay. Prophet Fred died in 2011, which has led to a decline in the Jesus John belief. But those followers still host their own February 15th celebration which, again, is meant to invite John Frum back to the island. That is the one promise that John Frum has not fulfilled. He has never come back. Okay. So when he came, he's like, what are your wishes? Everybody said all these wishes. One of the chiefs says, I wish for us to sit and eat a meal together. And John Frum's like, cool, I'll do that when I come back. And then he never did. So one of his descendants has to come back. And- one of, or, I mean, John Frum is a spirit. So yeah, okay. he's, like a, he's like a spirit ancestor kind of guy. So yeah. like, I think he just can show up whenever. I mean, you could say that could be fulfilled by a black soldier. Just a black soldier coming back. That's just true. Just going be like, I'd like to see what wares you have or what foods you have. And they'd be like, he's here. He's here. He Party. Came. Party. Party. Because <laughs> that's what the February, se- the February 15th celebration is, is they start off with the, the military-esque marks, marks that locks that march, which is in tribute to John Frum. And then they continue with traditional dances and stories talking about the history of the island and their own belief system. So it's like, it's basically a cultural festival. It has sort of become like also like a little bit of a tourist thing. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So from an outside, from the outside world, this cargo cult is often viewed as primitive people play acting American military practices in a misguided attempt to summon modern goods from the sky. Sure. From the inside, it's a faith surrounding a figure that encourages the people to maintain their beliefs and customs regardless of the influence and oppression of outsiders. But also, you know, get yourself a little something nice. Yeah. Get some, get yourself some of that value. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Wait, no. Treat others. But we'll treat yourself so you can treat others. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the takeaway? Yes. That's the takeaway. I haven't really gotten to the, the end oh, okay. quite yet, but that's the takeaway. Okay. I'm in the last bit. Oh, We're okay. wrapping it up. The celebrations and military rituals are a reminder of where they used to be and what they have gone through as a people. It doesn't stop tourists from flocking to Vanuatu every year to watch the February 15th celebration. But at least they're giving money to the local community. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So like cargo cults. Yeah. There are more of them. There is one that I will talk about one day that uh, has Prince Philip as a central figure oh, of worship. okay. I'm pretty sure there's another one that worships Lyndon B. Johnson. Sure. But the point of it is that what I had heard of cargo cults was that it's people who don't know how like how all of these things are made, how modern goods or conveniences yeah. are made. Believing that they're coming out of the sky and that soldiers are coming and, like, they, if they do what the soldiers do, they will get these things. Right. That's not necessarily the whole story. That's not even necessarily true. Yeah. John Frum is about trying to bring value to your people and yourselves while resisting the oppression and influence of other older cultures. Wholesome. So kind of wholesome. Yeah. In a weird way. Treat yourself and also treat others. Yeah. That's the takeaway. Um, that is, yeah, that's it. 
Give your give everybody sweet uh, Hobbit gifts on your birthday. Yeah. If you can do it, give give a bit away. Yeah. Get yourself some value dominance. Yeah. Be dominant in your society by giving things to others. Okay, you're getting a the, the energy. Assert your dominance okay. by giving the best gifts. The energy's getting a little strong. Be a top. Be oh a God. gift top. <sighs> yes. On All your one hundred and eleventieth birthday. Excellent. Yes. Um. That's what I got for you. That's John from. We're in the middle of our podcast. Yes. But where's it going? Where is he going? Though? I was thinking that the whole time. I'm like, from, but where is he going? One thing that I love is because everyone was asking who is John from. That was like a title of a lot of articles is who is John from? And I'm like, but aren't the Islanders asking where is John from? Yeah. 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 They want to know where he is. Where. We don't got what. What is John from? When why, why is John from? <laughs> How? We have when, actually. We have when. We know when. So it's the middle of the podcast. Yeah. It's the middle of the podcast. <sighs> We're sleepy babies. We're sleepy babies. I have... An idea, but I feel like it's too early to do it. Too early in what? Because E3 is not for another two weeks. We could do... So Pokemon Sleep was announced. Oh, my God. <laughs> Pokemon Sleep was announced. Please do... I thought that was a joke. Nope. Legitimately, I just saw people making memes about Pokemon Sleep. Nope. And it was like, Pokemon Go, Pokemon Sleep, Pokemon Eat a Vegetable, Pokemon... <laughs> and it was just like kept going on like that. And yeah. I thought it was a joke. Nope. And then I found out Pokemon Sleep's real. Well, and I Pokemon will. Home, which is just the bank, but it's now across all platforms, which is cool. That should have been a fucking thing anyway. Not I mean, even going to get into the discussion. It, no, it should have been, though. A t- long t- I should have been like Pearl or what? We Black and White. It. We already did a Pokemon one last week, though. Oh, fuck, we did. Well, I was just going to say you have to announce... Because then there's another tweet going around, a viral tweet, that it's like, eventually, we're just going to get to a point where Pokemon are, are these... Like, we live in a Pokemon society. So mm-hmm. I want you... Tell us about the Patreon as if it's the next Pokemon evolution, basically, of our society. I'm really tired. We did a Pokemon one last time. We did, yeah. We did. Yeah. Or, or. Mal, you got one? All right. You got one? You. Yes. Are the most badass UPS delivery person in the world. Oh, God. And you need to deliver the Patreon, and I need to answer the door. And, like, you're going to tell me all these things you went through to deliver this. Okay. And, and about I don't it, even about know it. if I want this package. It's the apocalypse? Yeah. All right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, can you insert a doorbell noise? Excuse me? Yes. Excuse I, me? Yes, hello? <sighs> Hi. Sorry, are you Mal? Yes, I am. Are you Mal guy? Yeah, I, yes. This is this is your package. I, I ordered a package? When did I order a package? <sighs> it's been it's been a rough couple months. Sorry, I had to travel across the waist. I had to punch terrorists in the face to get you this package. Is that why my package is dented? Maybe. There's a little bit of blood on the box too. I'm sorry. It's the it's Patreon, okay? It's patreon.com slash Colts Cryptids Conspiracies. It's still good inside. It's the package is sealed. I made sure. I don't when do you have like an order form for that? I don't remember when I, I ordered mean, that. Do you not it's the Patreon. I, I went through a lot to it's your package. Well, I mean Do you not want the Patreon? I don't I don't remember ordering that. What's inside? Oh, oh hold on, hold on. Let me find the order form. <laughs> fully work <laughs> it says that um it's got uh reward tiers there's hmm. uh the bibliography is that, does that strike a bell i mean that does sound like something i would i had I mean... to wind through the multi-dimensional goo wastes i was almost eaten by a shadow child does the does the bibliography tier does that sound familiar to you sir i mean I could. Are you, you, check the net. Are you sure that's for me? It says Mal. It says Malachi. Is that your name? 
It has this address on it. Well, I mean, there's a picture of a cat. Is this your cat? <laughs> that is my cat. Did my cat make the order? Was it a bird? Where's the seagull? The seagull's been plaguing my home. I there's those seagulls have all died. <laughs> While you were gone, the time fall killed all the seagulls. And started rapid aging, and now they're dead. Chelsea's just shoving her mouth full of her, She's her dinner. She's eating curry, and the seagull is gone from the skit. It's got um. There's also there's this other way. It says there's another tier, which is the the bits. There's like humorous additional like content that's not related to the episode, but it's just funny additional. Com- is this striking a bell to you? I mean, sir, does any of this sound familiar? I think I, I, think I did order that, but you're kind of late. I had to fight off time traveling soldiers from every war in our history. There were skeleton soldiers, sir. I mean, are you aware of what's happening out in the world? I mean, they pay you hazard pay, though, right? I mean, you don't you don't have a right to complain. My I mean. job is a hazard. Do you want this package? Well, I mean, it's. I mean, what else is in the? I mean, <sighs> I forget. The invoice says that there's something called parlor of the paranormal. Oh, tell me more. Uh, uh, hold on. Um, for ten dollars a month, you will receive a uh, a fictional re- i like i'm looking at my hand like i'm reading a thing uh you'll receive a, a a review of a of a fictional work of romantic uh, supernatural romance is, is this sound familiar to you now that's the shit i ordered Mm-hmm. let me sign on the dotted line uh, for that right there please please free me from this <laughs> free me from this please UPSL. free me from this mission i want to return home to my family <laughs> i will sign right here that's exactly what i ordered thank you so much and you know what you have a nice day the world's ending <laughs> Go and enjoy the day. Have a nice day, sir. <laughs> UPS from hell. From hell. Patreon.com slash Colts Cryptids Conspiracies. Subscribe now to avoid the apocalypse. I mean, maybe. I mean, I mean we're going to hurt. We'll try. We don't know. I mean, we're going to do our best. I think we could make it. I, mean, I think I think so. I mean, we got skills. We, we got some between us. Yeah, Chelsea yeah. left the room again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that could just be the name of the podcast. Chelsea, Chelsea left, the left the room. Yeah, that's it. That's just all it is. Chelsea from somewhere else. Chelsea from somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yes, Cult Cryptus Conspiracies. Uh, we also have a website, com. We also have a shirt pre-order. God, you should also buy a fucking shirt. Hey, guys, you want to buy a shirt? Some of you already bought a shirt. And you know what? We love you. That's amazing. And you know, if you buy a shirt, we'll love you. We'll and also, be great. I mean, if you don't buy a shirt, we'll also love you. Because we understand sometimes you can't afford it. It's like a whole thing. We get it. But buy a shirt. Also, if again, if you don't buy a shirt, we understand. But I do want to say, if you do buy a shirt, this is the literal softest shirt I've ever shirt. owned in my life. It's very, it's very nice shirt. It's Not pretty, only it's is the design comfy. great, thank you, Kay- Kaylee Rowena. Awesome design. Yes. This shirt though is so soft. Friggin' um, I went to go pick him up at the the shirt making place, the place that makes shirts. The the making of the shirt the place. place. The other place that makes shirts. <laughs> they had them in this little thing of Tupperware, and I was like, it's for the cold scripted conspiracy. And they're like, oh yeah, that was a cool design. And they just brought out this Tupperware box full of shirts. <laughs> nice. And I touched them. And I'm like, ooh, they're so they're soft. soft. And he's like, and they're the dude was just like, yeah, they came out real good. <laughs> and he let me. He let me like flip them open and look at them in the store it was a good place he's all like as if it's like a fresh baked good it's like yeah basically these ones they came out hot and steamy baked fresh this morning printed fresh this morning t-shirts the seagull returns the seagull returns um glorious seagull fly high hey that's my line get to it anyway a great mystery novel has strong characters a gripping plot line 
several possible outcomes, okay. mysterious motives, and an ending that no reader could see coming. I remember what your topic is now. Is it Miss Marple? Are we talking the about Miss Marple? The following story of disappearance not only has all of these things, as well as being true, but the subject is also one of the greatest mystery writers of all time, Agatha Christie. <gasps> nice. So before, oh, that's right. Yep. Freaking, I remember this now. Yep. Oh, hell yeah. No, keep going. So before we get to the disappearance of yes. Agatha Christie, let's go back a bit to talk about her upbringing. Agatha was born Agatha Mary Clarissa Miller on September 15, 1890, the youngest of three children to Frederick Alva Miller, an affluent American stockbroker, and his Irish-born wife, Clara. Agatha is quoted as saying that her childhood was very happy and that she was surrounded by strong and independent women at an early age, which is like, nice. Nice. She was raised in a household with esoteric beliefs, and her and her two siblings believed that their mother, Clara, was a psychic with the ability of second sight. Okay. That was just like a line. Fun fact. I'm like, I want to know more about Clara. Tell us about your psychic mom, Agatha. Yeah. Except you can't. Except you can't. While her sister was sent away for her education, Agatha was homeschooled by her mother and she learned many skills extremely quickly, including reading and writing. Also, she had a dog named George Washington, which has nothing to do with the story, but I it's just thought very it was good delightful. Fact. No, that's a very good fact. Thank yeah. you for bringing this to me. You're welcome. As a child, she was mostly apart from other children and spent most of her time with her pets, relatable, but eventually made friends with a group of other girls in the area where she grew up. Okay. In November of 1901, Agatha's father died when she was only 11 years old, leaving the family in an uncertain economic situation. Rough. Did he die or go out for cigarettes? No, he died. He had like he had failing health. He had several heart attacks in secession and then died. I apologize. That is rough. Yeah. Though going out for cigarettes and never coming back is kind of a thing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Also, lotto tickets. Agatha continued to live with her mother while her sister moved in with her husband and her brother joined the army and was sent to South Africa to fight in the Boer War, which is B-O-E-R. What what year was this? This is 1901. Oh, okay. Boyer War? Boyer? Boy? Boy? I didn't look it up. Boy. I didn't look it up. It wasn't really relevant. In 1902, Agatha's homeschooling ceased and she was sent to boarding school. Oh, sad. Yeah, but she was still very close with her mother. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely a thing of like, at the time, and also, like, England. So in 1910, Agatha returned to England to find her mother, Clara, ill, so they went on vacation together, because apparently that was just a thing you did. Well, you had to get the fresh air, you know? You had yeah. to get the good air. You went to the seaside to cleanse yourself. Yeah, so her and her mother just, like, went on vacation to several places, including Egypt. Okay. Uh, during that time, though, Agatha was also looking for a husband. I mean, scoping so out. So Agatha was attending many social events, trying to find a husband, and also getting back into writing short stories and poetry. At one of these social events, Agatha met Archibald Christie in April of 1913, and that's, the two quickly fell in love. That's such a great name. Archibald? Like, I, I think it's Archibald, name. isn't it? Archibald? It's Archibald. Archibald. Yeah. It's like a ch noise. Yeah. I know right. that from Veggie Tales. Because he's Archie. That's, that, mm. By the way. Archibald Christie. Some strong religious upbringing in my life. Veggie Tales was <laughs> so wholesome. I've seen bits of it. I watched a lot of VeggieTales, but didn't realize until much later that it was Christian. Oh, I knew it was. Yeah. No, same. And then, like, vegetables. Vegetables. It was just vegetables. Pobre tomato. Unfortunately, right afterwards, World War I broke out. Dang it, World War I. But the couple was able to marry on Christmas Eve of 1914, while Archie, who I'm going to call him Archie now. Sure. uh, Was on home leave from the Royal Flying Corps. 
Agatha also involved herself in the war effort by joining the Voluntary Aid Detachment in 1914 and intending wounded soldiers as an unpaid nurse. And it was something ridiculous. Like, she had, like, 36,000 hours or 3,600, one of them. Some ridiculously large amount of hours. Some ridiculously large amount of hours as an unpaid nurse. Dang. Dang, girl. It was here that Agatha met Belgian refugees and treated them as a volunteer nurse. And they, in turn, inspired her most famous character, Heracle Perot. Poirot. 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 I love that man. Yeah. With his moustache. With his moustache. He was inspired by the Belgian troops and refugees that Agatha took care of when she was a Because their mannerisms and and accents. Yeah. And And general And general storiness. Oh, I love that man. Poirot. I know you do. Do you want to have a Poirot book club? Oh, please. Hell yeah. I love how how in the stories people are like, oh, Poirot, you must, you're into mysteries and you solve these problems just like all these other detectives. He's like, I am not like other detectives. I have a higher caliber. And I'm like, yes, man, preach. (laughs) All right. So after the war was over, Agatha, who had long been a fan of detective novels, decided to write her own. And the Mysterious Affair Affair at Styles was born, which is the first Heracle Pro novel. Oh, really? Yeah. Her manuscript was rejected at several publishing institutions before John Lane at the Bodley Head accepted it, and it was finally published in 1920. So apparently, Agatha then went on to say that, like, this publishing contract was extremely, what's the word? Uh, Exploitive? Exploitive, yeah. It was exploitive. It was extremely exploitive, but, like, at the time, she wasn't a well-known author, so she didn't really know what else to do. It was sort of like a take-what-you-can-get kind of situation. Yeah, but when she got more notoriety, she was like, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Agatha was settling into married life, with Archie leaving the Air Force and getting a job working in the financial sector, while Agatha kept writing and taking care of what would be the couple's only child, Rosalind Margaret Hicks. Rosalind. Hicks? Yeah. I don't know. All right. Yeah. I, that confused me, too, but whatever. Maybe that was her Adopted married name? Or? No. No. Christy. What? Christy's her married name. No. I wrote Rosalind. Maybe. That's what oh, I meant. Yeah. The child's then later on in life yeah, got I married. Yeah, rose up and becomes an adult and maybe gets married. I don't know. It's just weird that it's like it was she was known as in all the articles, Rosalind Margaret Hicks. And I'm like, okay, All right. Whatever. Maybe she has two middle names. Maybe. Maybe she has two middle names. uh, Rosalind Margaret Hicks. Puts Hicks as a middle name, though. Many questions. Doesn't matter. Maybe it's like one of their mothers. I don't know. Anyway. Maybe. Maybe. Could be. In 1926, Agatha was starting to receive a lot of recognition for her work. Unfortunately, this was also the year that her personal life started to take a turn. Oh, Agatha's mother, Clara, whom she had always been very close with, died of bronchitis earlier in the year, and Agatha was devastated. And her husband, Archie, was unhelpful. He would leave on long business trips, not wanting to deal with a wife who was emotional over her mother's passing. Ugh, the early 1900s. You're too emotional. I don't want to deal with this. In December of one such trip, Agatha was blindsided by Archie's admittance of having an affair with his 25-year-old secretary, Nancy Neal. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Not only was he having an affair with her, but he told Agatha he was in love with her and demanded a divorce. Yeah, because she's 25. Yeah. Yeah. On the weekend of, the, of December 3rd, Archie told Agatha he'd be going to a party of two of their mutual friends, the Jameses, and then spending the weekend at a cabin with his friends when he actually was going to spend time with Nancy. Rude. Agatha left the house after their argument and returned home and Archie was already gone. Rude. Yeah. At just after 9.30 p.m., she went upstairs in their home to kiss her seven-year-old daughter goodnight, got into her car, and drove off. The next morning, a car was found crashed at a nearby lake called Silent Pool with a hood up and the headlights on. When police investigated, they found bags in the back and a driver's license that belonged to Agatha Christie. 
thus starting the biggest manhunt at the time to find where she had gone. Yeah, because by this time, she was like a big deal. Yeah, what was really funny is some of the articles were like, she was still relatively unknown. I'm like, her book was currently on the bestseller list at this point. Yeah, no. So she was not an unknown author. She was did, very known. Did she only have the one book at that point? Or no, she had no, a few. she had several at that point. I was about to say, yeah, by then she would have at least gotten four. At least. I think at it least. was actually, she was on her seventh. <sighs> Dang. Yeah, I mean, no, like, she, and she people, also had several pen names, like... For, Oh. Yeah. People knew who Agatha Christie was. Yeah, from, people I mean, knew. From the ones I haven't re- read all of Poirot or all of Agatha Christie's, but her stories aren't necessarily like super long, but they are in super depthful. Yeah. So it's like, that's, that says a lot. Surrey police issued a missing persons report, and thus the media coverage began. So as soon as the missing persons report went out, which was like that day, mm-hmm. the media coverage was like on top of it. Yes. The first thought was that Agatha had committed suicide by drowning herself. So it was also very quickly that the news of her husband's affair also got out. Yeah, I mean, like, because probably she had told a friend or some, one of his friends he knew. had told people. Yeah, no, like, people... Yeah. Some of their friends probably knew. Yeah, they knew. So Silent Pool had a reputation for death as two young children had reported to have died there. So some of the articles that just said they were reported, that it wasn't confirmed, and some of the articles said it was a brother and a sister. Okay. So I'm not sure. I feel like it's probably true. It's just one of those, like, undisturbed lakes i feel like statistically people have drowned everywhere yeah and like kids like sure like people drowned in like there used to be a lake outside my apartment building in san francisco and like six people died in that lake god there's so many people that died in that lake yeah right and also there was the whole the rumor that the mafia just like would dump people dump there. bodies yeah. there yeah yeah lake merced was messed up yeah oh, anyway oh god yeah yeah anyway this is where we used to live anyway so the lake was dredged but nothing came up with the media now blowing the story up and one of the heads of the pol- what was it i actually didn't write his name for some fucking reason because it wasn't as funny as the next bit i'm gonna tell you okay um, <laughs> you're not worth laughing at goodbye but he was putting pressure on police to like find her because he was getting pressure from the media and she was very well known so it's like we have to find out what happened to her because or else this is just gonna blow up people entirely. are gonna freak out yeah. yeah so police were pressured by the public to find out exactly what happened to the famous author 500 police officers in four countries were searching for her, offering a 100-pound reward for any information leading to her recovery. Scouts, bloodhounds, divers combed combed the countryside, and for the first time in a missing persons case, airplanes were used to search for clues from above. Nice. So Agatha Christie's disappearance was the first time aircraft was used in a missing persons case. What's uh, what's Archie doing during all this? Banging a 25-year-old? Banging a 25-year-old and also being accused of murdering his wife. Nice. So on top of that, 15,000 volunteers came out to try and help find Agatha. Nice. During the search, the police sought the help of fellow mystery writers, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and Dorothy L. Sayers. Of course they did. Okay. Sayers visited Agatha's house and the spot where her car was found. And while she didn't find any new clues, she used her experience later in her book, Unnatural Death. Doyle took one of Agatha's gloves to a medium to see if the medium could scry for her. Yep, I was waiting for that. I was like, when is Doyle going to bring a psychic into this? When is our boy Artie? When is Artie over here going to bring a psychic into this? I was like, what? As soon as I saw that, I'm like, Christina must know this. I know, I do. I do know. I knew that they had got, like, tapped other uh, other authors and was like, you guys write mysteries. Maybe you can help us with this mysterious case. I like how the woman's like, I'm going to go to her house and then to the place where her car was last seen and I'm going to try and find new clues. And Arthur's like, here's a glove. 
I'm gonna take this <laughs> to a medium her. so that she will find that this medium will find her. Yeah, certainly. I just, I just love how Arthur's like he's got his own thing going in his stories, and but then him personally himself is yeah. like believed in fairies. <laughs> believed in fairies. I love Sir Arthur Conan. Photoshop would have boggled that man's mind oh, oh my I'm god sure. i just love this period in time because of how <laughs> ridiculous it was yeah because literally like everyone knew each other in the weirdest way like <laughs> i mean we kind connected. of like uh, you know 20 years later we talked about l ron hubbard yeah and how he fucking knew you everyone can seven degrees of kevin bacon a lot of these people yeah. <laughs> like, so do we know what medium he went to no or? it didn't say he, there Dang. were a bunch of ones that, yeah. that Arthur uh, Conan Doyle knew. I was hoping we were gonna Listen, link more no he knew a bunch of mediums in England at the time he like had a bunch of ones he like there was usually like one or two were like his favorites of the moment or whatever yeah. but he knew a bunch of them yeah so uh didn't lead to anything surprisingly enough <laughs> <laughs> color me shocked he tried listen it's sort of like one of those things like he believed it would work yeah. so he's just like no this is the thing that i know i can do that's really gonna help and it didn't work out but it's not like he didn't try i know but it's just funny yes it's funny in juxtaposition with uh dorothy who was like i'm gonna I'm go going to, to investigate yeah. yeah and then wrote a book about it well she didn't like it was based off of that yeah. experience so by this time, the public and the media were speculating wildly about what could have possibly happened, and the heat came down upon Archie and Nancy. A prevalent theory was that one of the two had murdered her to remove her complications from their life together. Archie, however, while also maintaining his innocence, also insisted that Agatha would never take her own life as she was deeply religious and found suicide morally reprehensible. Because, again, their first thought was that she had drowned herself in the lake. Right. Fucking respect. Which is also, like, a very artist thing do kind yeah. of a thing like who was it wasn't there a poet that drowned herself in the lake probably was that dickinson I mean, it might have been it sounds like something dickinson would do i can't remember i'm not a literature major it's fine literature majors let us know maybe you're just thinking of ophelia no there was definitely a poet who put rocks in her pockets and walked out into the middle of the lake yeah, it sounds like I something just, familiar. every time i talk about ophelia from um hamlet what? yeah I, I, every time i think of ophelia i think of I saw an actor who's like, oh, I'm Ophelia, and then threw water in his face. And it's like, that's the whole book. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Thank you. Thank you for that. Anyway, by the seventh day of her disappearance, newspapers were putting out images of what Agatha might possibly look like if she was in disguise. To help I'm people. sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? Incognito. She yeah. just got the Groucho no, Marks mustache. I don't have them on me, but I have those photos that will post them on the Twitter. There's literally like artist renderings of what she might look like in disguise. So oh I want God. those in my house. <laughs> I want those framed in my house. <laughs> just three. It's three. It's one. The middle one is Agatha Christie, and then there's two on the ends. One of them, she looks like a 1920s like uh bar hopper and uh-huh. the other one she looks like a really old spinster it's really weird so what you're saying is you have the perfect new triptych to put above my mantle is <laughs> yes, what you're I saying <laughs> yes agatha christie and her two possible disguises yes at this point some facts are muddied it's reported that agatha wrote a letter to her secretary the day before her disappearance asking to cancel reservations she had made for lodgings in yorkshire there's also a rumor that agatha's secretary's wife called Archie at the James's house to warn him that Agatha was coming to confront him. But other accounts say that Archie had no idea of her disappearance until the next morning and the discovery of her abandoned car. A few different sources say that Agatha had written a note to the deputy chief constable of Surrey police shortly before her disappearance, saying that she feared for her safety. So there was a few. So the other ones, there was just one source that I found, but this one had a few different sources saying that was true. Okay. So while the tale of her disappearance and the subsequent manhunt would not be out of place in one of her own novels, her discovery 11 days later was slightly anticlimactic. A musician at the Hydropathic Hotel, now known as the Old Swan Hotel, 
recognized a woman staying there as the same woman in the photo on the front page of the newspaper. He called in a tip to the police and they rushed over Archie Christie in tow to confirm it was really his wife. On December 14th, 11 days after her disappearance, Archie confirmed that the woman staying in the hotel under the assumed name Teresa Neal, weirdly the same surname as the woman her husband was cheating on her with, was in like, fact Agatha. I feel like that's a gone girl kind of dig, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So some of the accounts like totally dramatized the meeting. Apparently like... I don't know what actually happened because I feel like the dramatizations could be real or maybe it was just the media trying to up the ante. But apparently it's like Archie was waiting in the the lobby in the lobby or like the the hotel restaurant okay. for her to come down. And when she came down, she sat down at a table and took out a newspaper to read a newspaper with her face on it. And she didn't recognize herself. OK, but there is an account that is pretty consistent. When Archie approached her, she seemed confused and at first mistook him for her brother. Archie took her to doctors who publicly stated that Agatha was suffering memory loss due to concussion that she had gotten when her car had crashed on the night of the third. The media, however, was unconvinced. Theories ranged from the whole thing being a publicity stunt for her book, which is baffling considering it was currently on the bestseller list before her disappearance. Right. To trying to frame her husband for her murder, either by faking her death or committing suicide to make him suffer the way he was making her suffer. Because Again, gone girling it. Yeah. Because apparently there were some accounts where she had mentioned that she had driven by the lake before and had because they had been having marital problems for a while i think she actually knew about the affair but the whole thing blew up on the third Mm -hmm. and uh, there there is an an account where in an interview much later she said once she was driving by the lake and thought about just driving into the lake and drowning herself but at the time her daughter was in the car with her and she would never do that with her daughter there i mean like that's not necessarily abnormal for somebody yeah. who's especially in like a traumatic part of their life or in a yes. stressful situation to sort of like have that kind of thought but not go through with it. Yeah. So it didn't matter much either way. Agatha continued to grow more successful in her writing career and her and Archie divorced in 1928, leaving her full custody of their daughter. And she remarried a young archaeologist named Max Malowin, who was 13 years her junior, who she stayed married to until her death in 1976. Get it. Go, Max. Go. Get it, girl. Go, Agatha. That's such like a protagonist name, though. Isn't it? That dude's name. But the Max. thing is, like, Max, Max Malowin, I'm like, that sounds really familiar. And I don't think it's just because it was Max Agatha's Malowin. second husband. I'm yeah. just... So she also got to retain the name Christy because it was her, at that point, it was her writer's name. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So. So we never, she never knew what happened. Well, okay. So, however, throughout the rest of her life, she would not discuss the 11 days where she went missing. The entire ordeal is even missing from her autobiography, and people are left puzzled and trying to piece together what could have possibly happened to the famous author. It's thought that her book, Unfinished Portrait, is a sort of autobiography that she published under the pen name Mary Westmacott, which was the name that she used when she published romance novels. Okay. So it's about a woman named Celia who considers taking her life, but then while on an exotic island meets Larrabee, a successful portrait painter who spends a night talking with her and learning her deepest fears. So like... They're saying that, like, the th- apparently, I haven't read Agatha Christie's work. I know I should. But this book in particular apparently was, like, stream of consciousness almost. So okay. they're saying that, like, it was just her getting all her thoughts down, what she was thinking of during those 11 days. Okay. And there is a theory that she had driven to the lake to commit suicide, but then crashed. And then it kind of, like, snapped her out of it. But like, she was embarrassed. And those, so she disappeared. One of those things where it's like she was went there with the intention, but that before she could go through with it, she regretted doing yeah. it sort of a thing. I mean, so in also, order to prevent embarrassment, she like disappeared. But I'm like, she could have just said she got into a car accident. Yeah. 
I could also see, I mean, the concussion could be an answer because... Well, so actually, don't... Not necessarily the concussion, but... I was going to say, like, did she have a stroke, possibly? So, though the incident occurred almost 100 years ago, still many are interested in knowing what exactly happened. Though it seems that the most popular is that Agatha did actually suffer some kind of mental break called a fugue state. Mm-hmm. Between the death of her mother and her husband's infidelity and demand for divorce, it's thought that the stress broke Agatha to the point where she really did forget who she was while she was staying at the hotel. And while there even, she put out an ad in a newspaper asking friends and relatives of Teresa Neal, late of South Africa, please communicate. And like wrote in the the hotel like address. Okay. Oh, she was actually trying to see if someone knew who she was. Yeah. It seems that the stress of everything surrounding her life finally all came crashing down during those 11 days that she stayed at the hotel. So I, there's also still people that think like she was just trying to punish her husband. Possibly. I'm of the belief that she really did suffer a mental break. I mean, I can see her having some sort of, because like there are people who like have mental issues, like not necessarily mental issues, but um neurological issues. Yeah. Where like t- maybe she had a stroke or some sort of other neurological problem that caused her to pass out or caused her to momentarily like lose conscious like awareness of where she was and it's possible that in a state of confusion or even like in a state of fear for her own mental stability she kind of secluded herself somewhere yeah so you know the the opinions basically go into two different ways today which is either she really did forget who she was or she tried to commit suicide and was and like knew who she was either out of embarrassment or trying to punish her husband just went into hiding. I think she actually legitimately forgot who she was. Well, yeah, that is my belief. She uh, did well for herself after the fact. She did. She did great. Um, Married a hot single archaeologist. Yeah. And published a lot of books. They traveled and that's how she got the inspiration for a lot of her books that ended up taking place in like uh, Cairo. Okay. So because apparently when she visited Egypt with her mother, she wasn't really interested in the area. But when she revisited with her archaeologist husband later in life, she became so you could fascinated. tell her all the good deets. Yeah. Yeah. So the takeaway of the story is actually something that I didn't write down in my paper because I thought it was kind of not funny, haha funny, but just like interesting. One of the reasons that they say Archie like broke and had an affair is because Agatha had complete control over the finances. Ah. And she would not allow him. So she would like complete control of the house and archie as a man didn't like that so he married someone who was like 15 years his junior in order to get that control back meanwhile max is like hey sugar mama hey hey girl sweet max is like i can go off in archaeology and come back to someone nice and warm at night hey Mm, do you want to support my archaeologist with your fancy book money (laughs) i get that christie's the original gone girl that's what I'm saying yeah. literally no, yeah. the whole time. No, I know. Listen, if she was gone growing or cheating husband, I'm not against it. Yeah. And like, in the end, she totally made out because like Archie married the 25 year old. But like, who fucking knows what he ended up doing? Agatha went on to write many, many books and is now the most celebrated mystery writer of all time and married a hot 13 years her junior archaeologist doctor. So do like, know, go her. Do we know what happened to her daughter? I don't know. That makes me curious. Anyway, something yeah. for three. Something to look if into. You're, if you're listening to this and you've been wondering about mystery novels and you actually want to listen to Agatha Christie, you can. We have an Audible ad. I can put it in, I guess. We do. But well, no, we can just say you can go to audibletrial.com slash ccc if you don't yet have an Audible account and you can get how much a month free? it's a mu- it's a free audiobook which comes with uh, a month trial okay so, so a month trial includes a discount on all audiobooks but you do get one for free so if yeah. you want to try out a poro novel well what i was going to say is actually what i did it gives you one credit and you can act there's actually an option 
to get all of Agatha Christie's works as an anthology. There's two sects. Oh, okay. So you can get a specific half of her books or the other half, whichever you prefer. And one half, they both have Poirot in it. And that's just for one credit. So you can literally just do that. You can get half of her works and just listen. My favorites are the ABC murders and also Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. I know it seems like cliche or whatever, but those are really good books. I want to read and then there were none because I don't think I'm going to have a an opportunity to see it anytime soon. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they're they're just they're just really good. And if you're like and if you if you don't use Audible after that, whatever. You just got to experience some really cool books. Hell yeah. yeah. Listen, reading is cool. And unless you're reading really trashy romance novels. And then listen to us read them. Yeah. Don't read them yourself. Sweet. Um, but yeah, that's what that's all I got. I just Excellent. figured I'd do Agatha Christie because I've been thinking about doing her for a really long time. Listen, and then, I'm all about it. I think my favorite thing was in these articles, like they would talk about like how it's come up in pop culture. And there was a few movies that were done, but also every single time it was like Doctor Who. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, with the bees. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. There's a whole Doctor Who episode about how those 11 days went missing. It's great. It's You'll a, get there. It's a weird one. You'll it's get a there. very weird it's episode. Very weird. We have a lot of Donna. TV to watch. It's deeply weird. Donna was a good time. Donna. Apparently, David Dennett specifically requested that actress to play Agatha. Yeah, because he was like, uh, oh, the actress to play Agatha Christie. Yeah. Oh, neato. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. I thought you were going to talk about Catherine Tate for a hot second. Oh, no. I knew. Yeah. No, everyone knows the story of. Well, every Doctor Who fan knows the story of Catherine Tate on Doctor Who. Yes. Um, Emails. Yeah emails emails that's a thing that we have yeah we have emails we've got we're going all over the place tonight but uh we got some emails for you um then yeah i'll do Haley. random creeps i think hi ladies so first off love your podcast Thank second you. if you're into true crime and you need a podcast i totally recommend cult leader l-i-t-e-r leader l-i-t-e-r yeah it's the only cult i'm a part of i think i hope okay hopefully as well yes so I'm sorry for the shameless plug, but to be fair, I promote your podcast to other podcasters and stuff. Oh, it's their podcast. That's cool. Or possibly I, somebody else's podcast. Who knows? It's podcasts. Yeah. Podcast. So, Everyone listen to podcasts. You're already here. So listen to podcasts. Stay here. <laughs> but to be fair, I promote your podcast to other podcasters and stuff like that. But this is not the actual reason for this email. The reason is that I'm told that I have a creepy life experience with creepy experiences, but it's I'm sorry. I have a creepy life with creepy experiences. Wow. I'm having a stroke. But it's honestly so normal to me that I literally thought it was a normal thing for people to experience. That's like a common... That's a common thing with this podcast is people like, wait, so that's not a normal experience? No. I had that experience. I went to the doctor last week. Okay. And actually, I had this experience a while ago. So Jamie McKelvey is an artist for our like our favorite comic, Wicked and Divine. Yes. And, and all around a good dude. All around good dude. And he was talking on Twitter about his hypermobility. And he was posting all these things about it. And I was like, I have a lot of those. Uh, And I I tweeted at him like, hey, so what's the deal if I have a lot of of those symptoms? And he's like, oh, you need to talk to your doctor. (laughs) So I luckily I had a doctor's appointment for something else last week. I have more Xanax now. Nice. Um, (laughs) No longer can eat grapefruit. Yeah. So I went to my doctor and at the end of my visit, I was like, hey, so my friend, because it's easier to say my friend than this, this, the award winning off, uh, artist, Jamie McKelvey, yeah, award winning English ar- artist, Jamie McKelvey. Uh, I was like, hey, my friend has hypermobility and thinks I might have it, too. And she's like and she kind of rolled her eyes at me because, you know, that thing when like you self-diagnose and doctors yeah. are like, Ugh. so she kind of rolled her eyes and she's like, oh, my, OK, why do you think you have hypermobility? I was like, well, I'm like really flexible and I like hurt myself a lot and Mm -hmm. she goes well like but why do you think that 
So I did this thing, which apparently most people can't do, which I didn't realize most people can't do. Right now I am clapping my hands in a prayer formation behind my back. Like up? Yeah. I can also do that. You can? Okay. Is this a bad thing? Uh, it's like a double jointed thing. I mean, I have loose joints. Yeah. So I knew I was I'm I loose jointed. I can't do it quite right now because I fucking hurt my wrist. Mal, can you do it? And then up? I, I can't because my, my right wrist. Oh. You know? I, so, I, yeah, my right wrist doesn't extend yeah. that way. Well, there we Most go. Then the answer don't. is no, you cannot. Yeah, I mean, I, mind, <laughs> I don't need it to, but yeah, no, as I was reaching, I was like, I can't do that. Yeah, most people can't do that. Please don't hurt yourself trying this at home. Don't, yeah, no, I can do it without hurting myself, except right now my wrist does if hurt. If you're trying to reach behind yourself and put your hands together in a prayer position, point it upward and it hurts, stop trying yeah. to do it. I can also, standing with my knees straight, go completely down with my hands flat on the floor. Oh, yeah, I can do I can too. also, like, you might be hypermobile. <laughs> I have real loose joints. It runs okay. in my family. That's so, how I can slip handcuffs. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But anyway, so she... Don't like, worry about it, Mal. She finally had this look on her face where she was like, oh, shit. And I was like, yeah, so, like, that's not normal, right? And she goes, well, yeah, you're just, like, really flexible. Then she comes over to me and starts messing with my arm, and she goes, oh, yeah, you super have hypermobility. Because <laughs> apparently my arm bends in ways it's not supposed to. And I'm no longer allowed to do push-ups. <laughs> Fun times. Do you remember on our first date when I said, wow, you're really flexible? Yeah. But this goes back to the email where it's one of those things that I did not realize was like, other people can't do this. Just like we were in public or something. I think we were eating or something. I think you extended your arm over the table or something. And I was like, wow, you're flexible. And you're like, yeah, always have been. Never thought about it. And no. that was it. <laughs> because the thing is, it's genetic. And my mother was a ballerina and my dad was a gymnast. So that's not a weird thing for me. But apparently it's weird. Anyway. I think we're only going to have time for one email tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry that I went off on a tangent. Keep going. It's cool. I'll let you decide if it's normal or not. The three creepiest stories that people tell me are a little weird and crazy is the one about the demons in my friend's old basement. Fun. My semi too real imaginary friend and the little girl in my mom's boyfriend's attic. Sure. All right. Already. I'm here for I'm it. I'm down. Let's keep going. I'm just going to vote. They're weird. Just already. So the first one, if we're going in chronological order, is my imaginary friend. He was a purple skeleton. Hmm, sounds legit. All right. He couldn't drink soda pop because it would make him fall apart and die from poison, so he had to drink juice and water. All right. All Probably right. because my dad and mom said soda pop is bad for you when I was younger. Oh, and he lived in my front bushes. I don't... Yeah, okay. <laughs> but the creepy part is that from my mom's memory on it that I had always told her that I had visited Skelly at his house in neighboring city to where I lived. And I was so determined to prove my mom wrong that we actually all got into the car and started driving. And I told her the exact directions to a half burned house where the only casualty was one man. He unfortunately had a heart attack and essentially burned alive. The house was abandoned for many years. And my mom believes his spirit somehow became my imaginary friend who couldn't drink soda pop. Okay. okay. That's just hella tragic. Heart attack and then burn yeah, to death. Yeah, burn to death in his home. That's, I'm sorry. I mean, like, but if as a ghost you come back as a purple skeleton who just hangs out with children and tells them that they shouldn't drink soda. Yeah. That's, and it's like, that's, that's a fine. Lot of terrible afterlife. Yeah. The second one, I was about seven or eight and I was playing with my very religious friend in her basement. It wasn't creepy. It was a furnished basement. And minus the fact that there wasn't any natural light, it was nice. But we were playing and her mom was on the couch watching TV. And I remember clear as day seeing a very dark shadow hovering over my friend. And I told her mom, you have a demon down here. You need Pastor Max to come here. I think there's more. And then went back to playing. They left shortly after and got their house cleansed. Nice. I can just imagine, just imagine for a hot second <laughs> that your seven-year-old daughter is playing and her friend looks at you and solemnly says, there's a demon down here. You need to get the pastor here. I this think there's I more. I don't want children. As long as it's not the demon pig. My God. Demon pig. 
And finally, this one is about a year ago. My mom started dating a guy roughly two years ago. And after a year together, we all started going to his house for dinner. My mom, little sister, and myself. I have social anxiety, but I met her boyfriend and I liked him. So I was okay around him. But one day I pulled up to his house for dinner and got the sudden urge to not go in. I know that feeling. It was only the second time I'd been there. I couldn't breathe and I got really hot. It felt like a panic attack, though, and I figured I was just overreacting. So I got over myself and went in. That night, I felt like I was being watched the entire time, and I quickly ate my food and excused myself back home where I texted my mom, apologizing to her and telling her how I felt and asked if there was a little girl there that night and that if I saw right, she had black hair. She quickly called me and then told me about the story of a little girl in the attic, which is honestly an insanely long story and full of crazy shit for another time because this email is already plenty long. But my mom and her boyfriend are still dumbfounded that although it wasn't a detailed description, I had somehow known about the little girl without knowing about the story. So wait, there was like a dead little girl in the attic yeah, or something? Yeah, please elaborate. That's, you, you can't tease a story like that. Please elaborate. Listen, if you're going to have a very long story and you think, oh, I don't have time to put all of it, just send us a second email. Yeah. Send just us a second down. email. Double down. So yeah, I've had many, many, many more experiences. Tell us more. But these three scare people the most. But they seem normal to me, even the last one, even though I was uncomfortable during my time there. It's still not that bad. I just think, oh, it's just another ghost or even a demon. Who knows? The worst that happens is she kills me and takes my soul. Honestly, there are worse ways to go out. Okay, bye. That's kind of how my I feel about ghosts. It's like, what's a ghost going to do? Punch me? If a ghost can touch me, then I can touch the ghost. Yeah. If a ghost can punch me, then I can punch a ghost. That's if your it energy. can bleed, we can kill it. Exactly. So, oh, and hi, Mal. Uh, hi. Feel free to put your own opinions into my slightly weird situations and best wishes to best wishes to Stitches, my favorite host. One day we'll get her to meow in the, into the mic. Yeah, I've, I've had her purr in the mic. She purrs. Yeah. yeah, I had to bass boost the show. Bass boost. Boost it. So Haley, Bummersville's hostess here to greet you for your one way stay. Hostess with the at hostess. least if that's okay with our great mayor Christina. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm down. We have uh, several like ambassadors and whatnot, but I'm sure that we could have like a welcoming committee sort of situation. Does anybody want to be uh the head of the tourism department of Bummersville? You have quite a lot of work ahead of you yeah. if you take this position. <laughs> what was my position again? I did something. I do something. I'm head you're, of art. No, you're like a one of you's in charge of the alley in the back with the knife fights. I can't remember. It's you. Oh, is that me? <laughs> it could be. It might as well be. Listen, the positions in Bummersville are flexible. I am just your eternal mayor. And then That's all that we matters. have our disaster gay, who is our deputy mayor. And then we have... We haven't uh, heard from him in a while. We how, now, are you, how are you doing? How are you doing? Ethan, Ethan, somewhere out there? We also have uh, now a, a national paper, or a, a That's local really paper. Good. Why? But listen, all positions of Bummersville are flexible and nebulous and can change at any moment. Yeah. Except mine. <laughs> except Christina's. <laughs> eternal. Yeah. I am the fixed point around which this terrible place revolves. Yeah. No, there was something. Wasn't there like some kind of artist thing? residence oh, or something? I am the head of the Watergate exhibit. Yeah. No, you own the local Nixon Museum yeah. outside of town. Yeah. Where the cryptids roam. Where the cryptids roam. Yeah. Speaking of which, we went to Ralph's today. We were fine. That's all. Okay. That's it. Great. Nothing happened. That's Excellent. All. Thank you for that Nothing story. Nothing happened. Well, except for that, we texted Celeste because. Mal forgot his phone, and even though we were gone for, like, 15 minutes, he was like, you have to tell Celeste I don't have my phone. Okay. All right. Fucking, before you just, like, oh out me God. or whatever the fuck is going on here, oh my God. I had texted Celeste before we left, and then I left my phone behind, and okay. I didn't want her panicking that I didn't reply. Anyway, so I texted Celeste to tell her that Mal did not have his cell phone, and we were at the grocery store, and she texted back, hang on, I have it. This is the, this is the, this story is sapping my soul away from me. Everything's I am losing years of my life listening to the story. She literally says, have fun, Ralph's cryptids. That's nice. Yeah. That's yeah. it. You're terrorists, the both of you. 
to that to that poor <laughs> I grocery store. I gave you bread. How dare you? It's, it's, I, I didn't say you were terror to me. So it was your terror to the grocery store. Oh. If you have fun stories about your life, if you've experienced some terrible or strange things that you think that people might enjoy listening to, or maybe we would just want to read it. Family conspiracies, family cryptids. All that. All that good stuff. Uh, somebody once emailed us that their grandma's house was the reason there has to be a law about telling people that if a house is haunted or not. That was cool. What? Remember that? No. Oh, I don't think you were there for that, actually. Thanks. Well, that's a you, bummer. That was a week you guys were gone. That sucks. Anyway, send us emails. All of them. Conspiracies at gmail.com. You can also tweet to us if you got memes to share, if you want to get on that sweet Death Stranding hype train with us. Oh, my God. There's two trains. One goes to Bummersville, but it also moonlights as the Death Stranding hype train. Uh, we're going to do a new theory every week because fuck it. Hell yeah. What's, what's our Twitter, Chelsea? At C3 Podcast. You can also reach out to us on our Facebook page, which you can re- recommend the podcast. You can rate the podcast. Thanks, Tina, for tagging us in everything. I Tina tags us in all of the memes. I love it. Every <laughs> meme, Tina's like, you guys will like this. I love it. <laughs> it's like, you th- you see these things and you think of us. It's and like that the warms best the cockle- thing ever. It does. It warms the cockles of my heart. Yeah. So tag us in things, too. We What's like our that. Facebook? What's our Facebook? Facebook.com slash Cult Cryptids Conspiracies. If you forget any of that, you can also just go to our website where it has links to every way to communicate with us, literally. Also a picture of Stitches. Every way to communicate with us, including a picture of Stitches, which you can whisper to and hope that she learns your secrets. Yep. She does. She knows them all. Yes. What is our website? Cult Cryptids Conspiracies.com. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Also, shirts. Shirts. That's Buy a it. shirt. <laughs> You can also, if you're feeling it, uh, you can start your own cult based around keeping alive the local traditions of Wholesome your people. Cult. Wholesome, Wholesome cult. cult. Pushing out the colonizers and keeping your uh, your culture alive and from being squashed by the oppressive monster that is Western civilization. Also, Gone Girl, your shitty boyfriend. Gone Girl, your boyfriend. Is he cheating on you? Gone Girl. Or is him. he just shitty? Frame is him he for like murder. A really shitty boyfriend. Frame him for your murder. Frame him for your murder. Don't actually kill anyone. <laughs> I saw this. I saw this. We got a couple of minutes. I saw this post on Reddit about this girl was like, so what I do is that my water pressure in my home is not great. So I take a dump and then I take a shower. I and saw then I f- that. Yeah. I saw that. So, okay. So I take a dump and then I take a shower and then I usually flush afterwards. This day I forgot to flush. My boyfriend visited and was like, who shat in your toilet? And I was like, it's me. Duh. You know, oops, I forgot to flush. And yeah. the boyfriend was like, no. Who shit in your toilet? Who you seeing that's not me? And got yeah, because he's like, no girl could shit that big. Yeah, and this no, big thing. And so I was seeing it, and a lot of people were like, he's trash. Fucking leave him. Yeah. Gone girl, gone girl, this man. Because then he was demanding that she take a dump in yeah. front of him yes. to prove it. What? Yes, right in front of him to prove it. And one of, her, one of the things she put was like, I mean, I think he might compromise if I could like shit in the other room, and then you come in to see it. But no, 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 no. This no. is a dump you, the whole boyfriend. <laughs> just yeah, flush the boyfriend. I think your water pressure is is good enough for that at the very least. Flush the boyfriend. Like, bro, he ain't he ain't that he ain't that good. He's yeah. not worth it. Gone girl, your shitty boyfriend. All all the straight girls out there. Gone girl, your shitty boyfriends and husbands. Hey, listen. I feel like it's it's gender neutral. Just like, hey, is your partner being a dick? That's fair. I mean, it is gender Frame neutral, but also murder. it's just. It's gender neutral, but it's also just like statistically higher to be a straight, higher for, possibility to be a straight guy. Yeah, that's true. You're not yeah. wrong. That's, yeah. Like, yeah. we're here for all of you, but let me just say this as a dude to other dudes fucking be good. Don't be a shit. 
That needs to be flushed. <laughs> Don't get flushed. Jesus okay. Christ, we're ending we're the podcast. So far we're away in, from where this podcast is. We're so close to midnight right now. <laughs> we're so I feel like tired. We're getting so close to midnight that we're going insane. It happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Cool. Bye, Chelsea. Bye, Christina. Bye, Bye Mal. Bye, ladies. Are you okay over there? Um, okay. Well, we have, we have to do... I need bed. I need bed. Me too. Is yours short? Four pages? It can be short. I mean, it'll be fine. That's not for me. Thank you. I was like, where are you going with that water? <laughs> hey, lady, you want to come over here with that water? <laughs> hey, lady, want to come on over here? Yeah. Okay. All right, it's my turn. Seagull is back. The seagull returns. The seagull returns. Um, Glorious seagull. Let's see if this is actually a thing. I am talking into this one. Talking I, to yours. I'm talking into this one. It seems, seems fine. Yeah, it seems okay. Yeah, it seems fine. All right. Gonna... Seems legit. Seems cool. Wow. Uh, are you just... What? Are you having fun? Uh, yes. You're buzzing. I am buzzing. It's just messages on Facebook probably. Trying to see... Hmm. Hmm. I want to see if I can make a dick. Ah, that's a, that's a very <laughs> tiny dick. Hold on. Okay. Wow. That's not. I gotta do the balls quicker. Sorry. Hold on. Wow. Pointy. Those are giant balls. Wow. You can't. That's. <laughs> nope. You critique my form. <laughs> nope. Well, I'm trying to make it more round. Wow. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's a dick. That's a little. That's a little more dick shaped. That's more respectable. Wow. You can't go so loud. I mean, I can. It's just wow. That's so thin. I have to do it faster. Wow. That's so thin. Mal, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, Mal's gonna have to edit this. This is going in the bits. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is what the bits are gonna be. It's just us trying to make dicks with the waveforms. Wow. That was pretty I was alright. That's yeah. that's dick shape. That's dick shapes. Yeah. Wow. That's a It's pointy. I just, yeah, I just feel like the we It can't needs to get be a slower round. on the build up. It's a slower on the build up. Wow. Slower on the build up, but still we gotta do it fast. Like yeah. Wow. You're just it's all blending together. Whoa. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. This is how we entertain ourselves. <laughs> this is what happens when Mal's not we? here. How old are we? It doesn't matter. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.